Our scripture reading today is Psalm 63, verses 1 through 8. O God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. In this parched and weary land, where there is no water, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night, because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. This is the word of the Lord. Well, happy 2020, and we're talking this morning about a song for a new year. We so enjoyed the Advent season where we talked about sing of Christmas and we explored the different songs of Mary and of Zechariah and Simeon and other people, and we just couldn't keep from singing. We're dealing with another song here in the Psalms, and this is a beautiful song that's sung with such passion and Renee, you were created to sing that song, by the way. You were just created to sing that. And, and I think the words there about not being able to, I mean, how can I keep from singing? So we're going to have one other song to deal with in, in this new year. And it's among the great Psalms of David. You may not be as familiar with it. Maybe you are. Uh, it's known as the, the soul of the Psalms. So it's a well-known one by a lot of people. In fact, Chrysostom who was the great uh, golden-tongued preacher of the earliest church, noted that the earliest churches would sing this psalm every morning. Every morning. So it was a powerful, powerful psalm back in the day. Well, combine that with 2020, which points to our need to focus and to see more clearly, right? So we're here to talk about that, about the soul of the psalms. As we get into a new year, and you know, sometimes we run into circumstances that leave us in a situation where it's really just you and God. And you know what I'm talking about, just something comes along that pulls the rug out of you, or out from under you, and it's just you and God, and that's where David found himself. In fact, look with me if you would, uh, the words in the uh, order of worship uh, the scripture reading there that Jonathan just read, look at that with me if you would, and look at the title of this psalm just before the actual reading of, O God, You Are My God. What does it say? A psalm of David regarding a time when David was in the wilderness of Judah. Well, let's expand on that. Why is he in the wilderness, the desert of Judah? Well, he has been betrayed by his son, Absalom. He is in exile. He's actually perhaps being hunted, and he's humiliated. I mean, here was the most powerful king ever, the, the only king to really uh, unify back then, at least up to that time, the nation of Israel, and now he's sitting on a rock in the desert. He has nothing, and he's in one of those situations where it's him and God, and that's it. And you and I will reach points like that ourselves. 
He can only count on God alone at this point. So in this new year, we should crave a passionate relationship with the living God as if realizing it's really ourselves and Him, and that's it. That's it when it gets down to those crisis points in our lives. So as we begin this new year, this wonderful Psalm of David tells us to have time with God in three particular ways critical ways. First of all, begin 2020 seeking God. Look at verse 1, if you would, and I put the whole thing on the one slide because it's just beautiful. Oh God, you are my God. We just sang this. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. In this parched and weary land where there is no water, I earnestly search. It can say, I eagerly search. And then it says, I thirst for you. And then it says, my whole body longs for you my whole soul longs for you that really takes you back to the hebrew shema where it says what you shall love the lord your god with all your what heart soul what mind and what strength my whole body wants to love you in that way the the way the ancient shema says that we should love him and then he says in this parched and weary land where there is no water he's saying that my life right now is like a weary land where there is no water have you ever been in one of those situations where your life was like you are a desert on which no rain has come down in many a day well that's what it's talking about he saw himself he wasn't just in a desert he himself is a desert now i'm going to tell you i've been close to where david was exiled and probably hiding out it's called en gedi and a number of us now have been here the group that went a few years ago and then the group that went uh, this past summer with uh, Dr. Jeff Leonard. This is just a little part of En Gedi here. It doesn't really does it uh, justice, and it's, it's a lot uh, more deeper, and you're looking up. Uh, but it's just very parched and sparse and hot. And I'll just say, we all got to the end of our little hike down in the flat part of En Gedi, and Dr. Jeff Leonard said, now, the way most of us probably want to do this is to go up this steep way. It's really not that bad. Jeff lost a lot of friends that day. Anyway, but uh, he said, it won't be that bad. But some of y'all might not want to do that, so you can just go back the flat way and you can get into the bus and, and you know, ride up to uh, the top part. I decided, because we had um, a number of people who were not of our church and they were like, they were kind of struggling with things, I was like, well, I, I will take care of them and I'll go back the flat way. But most everybody else went the highway. No! I, I thought I was helping. But anyway, um, but I thought, okay, we're, we're going to take them back. And so we went back that way and got into the air-conditioned bus. It was great. And we, we just rode up there. And it was nice. And, and we had to wait for a while. I thought, wow, this is taking them longer than I thought. But we were in the air-conditioned bus. It was great. And um, after a time, because we kept waiting, I, I looked out, and there was a guy out there that was selling uh, ice-cold bottles of Coke. And I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to get a couple of colas. So I go out there, and I get two of them. I've got two-fisted you know, uh, uh, bottles of, of Coca-Cola. And I thought, this is great open up one, and then I go back into the air-conditioned bus and uh, just drank most of one, and I thought, I got another one to go. This is great, and we're in Israel and all. And uh, finally, I saw some people coming up this real steep, this real steep rock, and um, 
I should have noticed the, the, their tongues hanging out and how just they were just struggling, but I was enjoying my Coca. I hadn't had a Coca-Cola in a while. And so I thought, well, I'm going to go down there like a good pastor, just like I helped those people, you know, on the flat part. Uh, uh, I'm going to go greet them. And so I went, and, and I went downhill. It was great. And two-fisted, you know, colas and everything. And I finished one, and I thought, well, I'll stick with it. And then, then I get to drink this one. And because and, they were a good 150 yards down there, and I was like, well, yeah, so I'll start drinking this one. By the time I got to the first group, that was getting up there. Let me just say, it was a little more brutal than I think people thought. Can I get an amen on that for people who went? Yeah, okay, yeah. It was hot, and it was brutal. And, of course, I'm down there with my two colas, and I went down there, hey, guys, how was it? It was the first time I looked into the eyes of church family that wanted to harm their pastor. That's the only way I can put it. And, uh, but anyway, let me just say, it's hot, it's sparse, uh, it's, it's a brutal place, and very, very rocky, and that's where David was, and obviously saw himself as a desert himself, but think about what, this, this guy had everything, and then suddenly he had nothing. If you could, if you could imagine having all of what you have accrued, everything that has accumulated, you know, of your, your achievements and what you've acquired and, and your, your home, your, your car, whatever. You've gotten all these, and, 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 and you know, this fame, whatever, you know, recognition. And then it's suddenly all ripped away. That's what's going on with David, and that's why he feels like a desert. And that's what's going on. So what do you do at that point when there's nothing else to do? Not knowing what to do. And, and really that is the point where we need to engage in the kind of passionate relationship with God that we should have each and every day, whether or not the rug has been pulled out from under us or whether things are comfortable. Do you have that obsession for God? Because you can tell from this psalm, David is all about God. He cannot get enough of who God is. Well, are you and I like that, and are we going to be like that at the beginning of this year you know having a very having a true relationship a truthful one not a fake one not an artificial one or, or a cultural one and you know what i'm talking about uh, there's a great 19th century uh, english actor shakespearean actor his name was william charles mccready i think we, that's him being one of his characters and he was performing one night and apparently he was an incredible actor and there was a there was an evangelist in the the uh, audience a preacher who liked to go around and preach and he was kind of known as somebody who was almost doing it for a cultural reason and a lot of people knew his motivations and everything and uh the preacher stayed stayed around and then talked to mr mccready and said i really want to talk to you because i don't understand it what's the difference between what you do and how you do it and and what I do and how I do it, because you're drawing these huge crowds every night with fiction. And, and I'm going out each night with the unchangeable truth, and yet I'm not getting much of a crowd. And McCready knew about this guy. And this had to sting <laughs> the pastor. He said, well, oh, it's quite simple, sir. I can tell the difference between you and me. He said, I present my fiction as though it were truth. And you present your truth as though it were fiction. Ooh, 
You know, how truthful is your walk with God? Or is it rather artificial? How passionate is it? Authentically passionate. And will you have that not just this day, but through 2020? Begin this year by truthfully seeking God, thirsting for Him, longing for Him. But secondly, begin 2020 remembering God. Uh, there was a beautiful part of what we read in uh, uh, earlier on together in the in the uh, litany, where it talked about remembering things that go on in this room, and I thought it was beautiful. Verse two says, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. What David is saying is, I'm sitting here on a rock in the desert right now, but I'm remembering the powerful moments I had seeing you, in a sense, in the, in the temple. And he's really relying on those and thinking, you know what, I just need to remember those moments because that will empower me. That will strengthen me during this time that's so difficult. And I hope that you will have moments this year in this place, in this room, that will just be reminders of you, mileposts, if you will, of when God was really there for you and speaking to you and transforming you. I hope it'll be like that. But it doesn't just have to be in here. Let's look at verse, verses 6 through 8. Let me ask you this. Have you ever awakened in the middle of the night and you can't go back to sleep? And it might be because something is troubling you. It might be that you were trying to fall asleep from the beginning when you first hit the pillow, but you just can't sleep. There's something on your mind. It's almost like, you know, insomnia, and, and you're struggling. This is what David is talking about. He says, I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. It's the meditating on God that gets him through it. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. Sometimes when we have those points where we're suddenly awakened and we can't fall back asleep and something is on our mind and we can't get rid of it and we just can't get back to sleep, people do different things. You can take some melatonin, you can take an Advil PM, you can take Zequel, you can listen to an app like uh, Calm, which apparently LeBron uh, James really likes. Uh, there's one called Breathe. You can actually find a podcast that helps you supposedly fall asleep. There are actually audio books that help you to sleep. Or you can listen to one of my sermons. Anyway. Um, but David focused on God and his goodness and his grace. That's what he focused on. He recalled the ways that God was there for him and showed his love for him and his grace. And that's what he thought about. And what's beautiful is much later on, centuries later, Jesus said what? I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he will reside within you he will live within you and the spirit is there with you even at those moments when you can't fall asleep he's there with you i sing for joy in the shadow of your wings i cling to you your strong right hand holds me securely even at those times in the middle of the night where things seem dark it's dark literally but also for me spiritually emotionally right now it's dark i remember when my mom was uh, struggling with cancer and she said one of the most difficult points was always when she was in the hospital and she would wake up in the middle of the night in a dark hospital room and nobody was there. And she said, I've never felt more alone. You know, the, the feeling of aloneness there is, is very, very difficult. But I remember when she told me that and a day or two later, 
it was evening time, and she was going to uh, have surgery the next morning. And I'll never forget, our pastor at the time, Steve Shoemaker, came in, and they had some small talk. And then before he left, he looked at her, took her hand, and with great sincerity and with great power, he said, Helen, I want you to remember tomorrow when you fall asleep in the surgery room that when you fall asleep, you're falling asleep in the hands of Jesus, in the arms of Jesus. He said, don't you forget that. And she didn't. And that's what got her through it. I didn't forget that either. Just, I don't know, a number of weeks ago, I had an angiogram just because my dad has, you know, had heart stuff going on. He lived to be 93, so you might be stuck with me for a while. But uh, they said, let's just do an angiogram. Everything was great. But I thought, wow, this is where they put something through your heart and everything. But I remember going in there. I remember those words of Steve Shoemaker. You know, when you fall asleep on that table there, I really, I just knew. It was amazing. I thought, I'm falling asleep in the arms of Jesus, and, and, and it was like that. It, and, and there's, it's nothing about me and how great my faith was. It was just the presence of God there that was just incredible. Look at verses 7 and 8 again. I, well, let's just look at 8. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. You know, even in the middle of sleepless nights, he's there with you. Begin remembering those times when he has been with you, whether it's in here or elsewhere. Finally, three, begin 2020 praising God. I love verse three. It says, your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I love that. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. You know, it's really true. Uh, his love for you, think about it. Is there something better than life itself? Yeah, uh, having a relationship with the loving one who gave you that life in the first place. And the incredible reality that it's a life that lasts now and it lasts beyond the grave as well. You know, that should motivate us to really leave it all on the field. What was it that uh, Brian Bonds used to say? What was his, his thing? Uh, uh, finishing strong and finishing what? Empty. Finishing strong and finishing empty. Leaving it all on there. Because what a great gift it is. Gosh, just to be given this life itself and not just having the life, but the one who created you and gave you that life has this amazing relationship with you that goes beyond the grave. Uh, there's a cool guy. He's, he's just passed on and went on to the new reality a few years ago, but he is a business executive or was a business executive and uh, also a great mentor, not just for CEOs, but for ministers. And his name is Fred Smith. And he said this at one point, and I thought, wow, that's just kind of deep. He said, it's important as we go along in life to create thirsts that death will satisfy. I love that. In other words, you should have some magnificent uh, ministries, passions, that you will just go after and that will glorify God and you're just going to take it all the way on the field and leave it there. Take it all the way and be empty in the long run. Just incredible. I love that statement. Make it a passion that only death will satisfy. And I, and I think of Brian Bonds who ministered to so many people raising money for ALS and just, just being more aware of it. And not just that, you know, Brian had this incredible Ministry of encouragement. Any of you who went to 
encourage him. You were the one who was encouraged, and you left that way, and you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I think of Elliot Williams, who really was just the premier encourager of the children's renovation, the renovation of that area downstairs. Um, I think of, and, and hear me correctly here, I think of Ralph Garth too. Ralph's fine, he hasn't left, uh, but I think of somebody like him who has this magnificent ministry every day, sometimes literally pulling people out of ditches who are battling uh, addictions, uh, prostitution, alcoholism, whatever it might be, poverty. And, and folks, he does it with such passion to the point sometimes he gets kind of tired. Uh, fortunately, soon he's going to be doing a sabbatical, which I think is so great. But I mean, what a welcome he's going to get when he gets there to the real kingdom. I think I'll be happy because I'm going to be like, hey, welcome, Jim. It's going to be Ralph's here way up there at the front, but I'll deal with it. But um, I just think what a welcome he will have by finishing strong and finishing empty. And I hope we all do that. Uh, There's a wonderful African-American pastor pastored this uh, Greater Salem Baptist Church in downtown Louisville for 55 years, Brother J.O. Bottoms, incredible guy, and he was a good friend of my father. And every time he spent time with my dad, I'll never forget, he would turn and the last thing he would say to my dad is, Brother Barnett, don't give up until you go up. And I love that. Don't give up till you go up. And Brother Bottoms obviously lived that out, you know. David talks not just about this incredible life we've been giving, but this contented life. Look at verses 4 and 5. I will praise you as long as I live. You satisfy me. That's really the key verse in this little, this little passage here. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. It's really all about contentment. And you know what Paul said about that in Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice Later on, he says what? I have learned the secret to contentment. I know what it's like to have a lot of things. I know what it's like to have nothing. I know what it's like to be like David out in the desert, sitting on a rock, and that's, that's all he's got. It's him and God. But Paul is saying in that dark cell, that prison cell, I know what that's like too, but that's okay because he says what? He winds up saying what? I can do what? All things through Christ who what? Strengthens me. And he really meant that. I mean, he was somebody living it out at a point of a dark prison cell, much like a desert. So can we focus on all things with Christ and really infuse all that we do with Christ? You know, if you say, I I can do all things through Christ, I mean, it leads up to that climactic word, Christ, but I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ. You know, can you and I infuse all of what we do each and every day, each and every hour? Can we infuse the presence of God through the presence of the Spirit residing in us? Can we do that each and every hour? The the answer is yes. How willing will you be to yield to that reality? That's really the key. Having a thirst for Christ that only death will satisfy Father Adizio de la Torre is a priest who is an advocate for the poor people, the marginalized in the Philippines. And I read something that he wrote recently, and it's this. He said, if we look at our life as some precious treasure that we must hoard, 
The demands made by others of our life are like losses, and death is a final loss, a final failure to hold on to our life. But if we look at our life as a treasure, we must share. Every service we give to others is a fulfillment of our life's purpose, and death is the final giving, the total giving. I mean, it's a gift. It's really the gift of death because we know that we left it all out there, that that we went strong, we left it empty, as God wants us to do and invites us to do. So it's time for you and I to get going for 2020. I think maybe one way that puts it really well, I saw on a poster in a pet store recently, and I don't know if you've ever seen, I'd never read this before, but it's live like someone left the gate open. Isn't that great? <laughs> and you all heard that? I love that. Live like someone left the gate open, like, yeah, 2020, here I come relationship with God here I come the reality of Christ who died for me rose for me gives me life way beyond when I get put in a box or whatever what a gift so let's live like well you know what he left the gate open up for you and me so will you bust through that and live as he desires really Paul put the same thing in a different way in 1 Corinthians 9 24 and I leave you with this don't you realize that in a race everyone runs but only one person gets the prize so run to win can we do that for 2020 let's pray Lord help us to have some magnificent obsessions passions in serving you this year missionally, spiritually, biblically. And Lord, we just ask that you would infuse us with a passion and a realization of the Spirit within us in a way that will make us only want to leave it all here, truly to finish strong and to finish empty so that it would be a good death for the blink of an eye and then glory What an incredible gift to give ourselves to. Oh God, you are our God, and we will always praise you. Thank you for the gift of this new year. Thank you for the gift of this new year with this amazing church family. We pray that you would bless us this year, but all the more we pray that we would bless and glorify you by living out the grace that you've already offered to us so fully. May we be agents of that for others. Make us ready to get out there and realize the gate is wide open and it's time for us to share your love, your salvation with others. We pray these things in your name. Amen.